Today's episode of Speak LA, the podcast is sponsored by Actors Connection. Before we begin, one of the things we most often hear from our listeners is how hard it is to find an agent. So if this is something that you are struggling with, go to ispeakla.com and download our free agent guide now. There's absolutely no shame in not having an agent, but we really want to help you get one. So go to ispeakla.com and grab your free agent guide now. Hey, Jen. Hey, Cam. <laughs> How are you? Good. Oh, man, it's good, good to see you. I know you too. I'm so I've been so excited about today. I I have wanted to talk to Asif um about his career and his start for so long and I just know this is going to be an amazing interview. I'm so excited. Me too. I I know we've been really yeah. we've been really wanting to talk to him for a long time. I know. I he's know. He's such a prolific actor. Oh my goodness. He really is. I mean, he's funny and he's dramatic and he's, um, you know, he's just, he's good at everything. And um, of course we all loved him so much on The Daily Show. He was my favorite correspondent for sure. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all his other work too, it's just, uh, it's really exciting. I can't wait. Anyway, tell me about you while we wait. What have you been doing oh. during this Love in the time of coronavirus. Oh my goodness. I mean, <laughs> my to-do list has gotten a lot shorter, but that's yeah, not right. what I want to talk about with you right now. Like okay. the brief time <laughs> we have. Um, I wanted to yeah. tell you about what we do every night at eight o'clock on my street. What do you do? We go outside and everybody cheers yeah. for Oh, yeah, for everyone, the first responders. Oh, like they everybody. do in New York yeah. and Italy. Yeah. You see, oh. Yeah, we're doing that. And I get to see my neighbors, my neighbor, Louis. He's like, hi, Camille. And I'm like, hi, Louis. And there's a family. Oh, like, man. I know. And it just, there's just something, um, there's something really. Makes you it cry. Does. It really makes me cry. There's mm -hmm. so many people that are, are on the line right now that are just doing very brave things, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah very much showing up and um i wish that i could celebrate them more but just getting to stand out there i hope they can hear me just a little you know a little clap a little a little shout a little support and the coolest part is that you can hear the sounds from all over la so i can hear it from hollywood and it kind of reverberates around my my neck of the woods and it's it's really special wow i love it <laughs> How old were you when you started pursuing acting? I was, uh, well, non-professionally, I started around, uh, you know, 14, 15 years old, but then professionally around 23 was when I forgot my first professional gig. And where were you living at that time? So I was living in Tampa, Florida. That's where my parents uh, were. That's where I went to school. And I uh, moved to Orlando when I was 23 to move to work at the Disney MGM studio. So Disney opened this theme park. Um, it was 1989 and they opened this theme park and it was, and I got cast in this like street improvisational comedy troupe. And um, that was my first uh, paid professional acting gig. I got my equity card um, and uh, I was making $440 a week. 
So wow. uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was amazing <laughs> what that could buy you in 1989. You could buy a house with that in 1989. <laughs> was that your first acting job then, or did you have one before that? I didn't have a, I didn't have a professional job, a paid job before that. No, just like school and, you know, stuff like that. Like that was my first, uh, where they actually paid me to act. And how many years did that take you then? Did, did what take me to, oh, to, to get, uh, your professional job. Oh, so I was in school when I got that job. I was actually at the university of South Florida in my, uh, undergraduate theater program. And then I left, so I hadn't actually ever worked professionally uh up and, and i was in school and just doing school plays and stuff like that and uh community theater and things like that and then i got this gig and i left school to go to orlando to disney and and start working at the mgm studios and you know i was, was like oh, i'm gonna go back to school finish my degree and you know never happened but um but apparently you don't need a degree to <laughs> One thing, you learn, one thing you learn when you come to LA is you don't need a degree to, to do this. Um, nobody's, ever, nobody's ever like, you know, I'd like you to hire to... you for my movie because I love how educated you are. I love how many, how many degrees you have. That's amazing. You really studied. I'm going to hire you. It never happens. I left uh, school and, yeah, went, and went and got, worked at Disney. Yeah. If you had to sum LA up in one word, what word would it be? Vast. Yeah. Um, yes. It's perfect. Yeah. Right? Perfect word. Yeah. Because LA is ginormous. It's, it's, people don't realize how, like if you, when I lived in LA, I lived in Los Feliz, and I had friends in Santa Monica or Venice, I would never, I never saw them. Like it was literally <laughs> like, they might as well have lived on the moon. It might have been like, <laughs> Like, like they were like, oh, you're coming to LA? Great, we'll hang out. Where are you living? Los Feliz. I live in Santa Monica. Yeah, I'll see you in New York. Like it, it, it literally, like it was. You you just never gonna see because people are just not. You have to love someone so much or want something from them incredibly badly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like, it's like then you'll travel that far. But otherwise, it's like you see the five people that live in your neighborhood and you just keep having brunch with them, like years. <laughs> <laughs> the same five people, just like, you know, let's hang out at our regular place on Vermont and just hang out, you know. That's so true. Vast yeah, right? is the perfect word. Perfect. Yeah. Asif, thank you so much for being here today. We are so excited. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time in this way. We haven't yeah. talked in a while. I know, I know, I know. Asif said, lucky enough to call Asif a good friend, but um, being that he's in New York and we're in LA, I haven't seen him in a long time. And now we get to be in this hang crazy, out. yeah, we get to hang out here. Um, and we are interviewing you during, uh, during, during our pandemic, during our world yeah. pandemic. Yes, yeah. it's so. a crazy time. But you know, honestly, like, you guys called me and were like, "Hey, do you want to do a podcast?" And I was like, "Sure, yeah." Like, what am I? I mean, I'm basically sitting at home with a, a two-month-old and right. my wife, my wife and me, and a two-month-old. And I was like, "Any excuse to just go into the other room?" Frankly. <laughs> Any excuse to just put on pants at this rate? And this nowadays, it's like just taking a shower. Is like, I'm going to take a shower. Okay, I'm making an answer. I'm taking a shower. Great, perfect. 
I'm putting on clothes. Okay, terrific. Great. In a few days. It's literally oh my <laughs> It's so Knowledge. true. Knowledge stink. Everybody stinks. Um, do. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a momentous occasion. I know. It's like, like, dressed, I, know. I know. We went out. We went out this morning, and I was like, I was like, I don't think I need to put pants on. Like, why do I need pants on? And she finally was like, You got to put pants on. You got to. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I'd love to start at the beginning and, and just hear, I, I, I don't know this actually about you. If you, if, did you always know you wanted to be an actor? Like, was it a thing that you decided at a, as a kid or came to later or how, how did that work out for you? I, I realized I wanted to be an actor when I was very young. I was about 14 or 15 years old and I saw this movie called Bugsy Malone. And some of our younger uh, listeners may not know this movie or remember it came out in the seventies and it was a movie starring a very young Jodie Foster and a young Scott Baio. I know just to think, wow. to say that Scott Baio inspired my acting career. Okay? <laughs> Is it weird? You know, it's kind of like saying I was inspired to adopt because of Woody Allen. But, um, <laughs> it's like, who's now a conspiracy theorist and like believes that the Sandy Hook massacre was a hoax. Like that guy was used to be like a teen heartthrob and like a young actor who was like, he was Chachi on Happy Days. Yeah. Those of you who remember that. Uh, but he also did this movie called Bugsy Malone. It was all these young kids in a gangster movie and they're firing pies in each other's faces and stuff. And I watched this movie as a kid and I was about the same age and I was just like, this sounds like the greatest thing in the world to do. Like, like what? I want to do that. Like, you know, I, I think I was, I was, I grew up in the north of England. So it was a pretty dreary place. I grew up in like an industrial sort of textile coal mining town in the north of England. And it was a pretty dreary place. And it just seemed like, um, like this seemed like a great way to spend your time, like goofing around and doing plays and, acting and it just seemed like a fun thing to do. So that was when I decided, and I think it was, it just spoke to the inner uh, ham in me, you know, like I was just like, I want to get on stage and perform. And, and I'd always do sort of like home, like perform for my parents and stuff. I'd do like, little, like I used to do these little radio plays on, on a cassette recorder on a cassette for those uh, younger listeners, cassettes used to be a thing that we used to have. <laughs> things and uh i used to do like little like radio plays on the thing so i was always kind of a performer at heart and then i just decided i wanted to do it and then i joined a children's acting troupe uh near my house where i grew up and we would meet every wednesday night and we do improv we do scenes from plays or we do like just sketches and, and it was just sort of a fun and every twice a year we'd put on a full production and that's how it all started for me. Wow. So I was going to actually ask, because you mentioned uh, your parents and growing up, but it sounds like they were pretty supportive initially. I mean, when you announced that this was what you wanted to do. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think they saw it as like a hobby or some kind mm -hmm. of, I think they really still believed that I would end up in medical school or some something more, you know, secure. But I think my mother was the one who actually was like, oh, you have a, a proclivity towards this. You know, she saw that. And, uh, and and I think she was the one, actually, I she was the one that I first said that I 
wanted to pursue this. Uh, I want to do, you know, I was a little kid, so she didn't see it as a professional thing. And she said to me, she said, if you want to do this, then write a letter. It's back in the days for our younger readers, letters. She's like, write a letter to every local theater community, a theater, uh, sorry, not going to be a theater, uh, you know, uh, local theater and, and ask them if they want you there, or you want to join or if there's classes or anything like that. Wow. So I did, I went to the library again, libraries and went there and, and found the local uh, sort of, you know, there was like the, it was a town called Bradford where I grew up. It was a textile coal mining town, very dreary. And there was like the Bradford Playmakers and there was another theater group. And there were like six theater groups that I found. And I literally wrote to them. I was like 15 and I wrote to them and I said, hey, I want to be, I want to be an actor and I want to do this. And I want to see if you will accept me as part of your theater uh, program or community or whatever. And and there was only one theater that wrote me back, and it was called the Brighouse Children's Theater. And Brighouse is a town about five miles outside of Bradford. And they wrote back to me, and they said, um, "We're a children's theater, and we have kids your age, and we get together every Wednesday night, and we do improv games, and we do stuff, and we kind of, you know, and and so if you want to come down and check out our classes on Wednesday nights, you can. And so I was like, great. And that's how I started. And I started going there and then wow. put out a production twice a year. And it was great. That's how it all kicked off. I I wonder, I, I wonder a couple of things. I was going to ask you about what you feel if you think that training is important for an actor. But I'm, I also want to throw in there um, how interesting it is that being from England, I think they have a very different mentality when it comes to the profession of an actor and do you think that that was something you know that was beneficial for you to be around just even your mother's response like what an incredible response to have to to I mean it's it's something that right you know because we don't think of it like that as much in the United States when people say I want to be an actor it's a different response right I mean I I think that First of all, I think, yes, I do think education is uh, incredibly important. And I think training and all that stuff, I think, really uh, gives you a, a basis and a sort of ground, you know, to stand on in terms of uh, the craft of uh, and the work and all that stuff. So I think that's, yes. And I, I, and I don't know. I mean, I, I was very young when I was in England and we moved to the, we moved to America a couple of years later. Um, and, uh, but I do think that my mother's response was more, I don't think my mother really wanted me to be a professional actor. I don't think she saw that as something that she could, I think she just saw it as like, oh, he's got a proclivity towards this. This is clearly a hobby. He enjoys it, makes him happy. He's kind of a performer anyway. So let's just, you know, let him go and do these things. And, and so I think, but it was really, uh, because, you know, it was funny. We were actually, and I think back on it, when I got to that little children's theater, we were doing scenes. We do scene work. Like we were doing scenes from the crucible, you know, like, like the first scene I ever did in a, in a play was uh, playing the character of Hale in the crucible. And we did like the courtroom scene 
And it was like a bunch of kids, like we were all like 15, 14, 15 years old. And it was just a, a Wednesday night community theater sort of thing. But we were not just doing like goofy stuff. We were doing like the Crucible or we were doing, you know, uh, Man for All Seasons and, and, and all these kinds of these, these plays. So, and then we do like what in England they call pantomimes, uh, which is different than here in America. In America, pantomime is like literally miming and in England, pantomime is like a children's play, right? And so we would do these children's plays and, you know, everybody would, their parents, our parents would come and it was, you know, it was kind of, a, we'd do it at a local theater in town and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, um, at that time it was just, it was just fun. You know, it was just sort of like, it was, it was a way, and there were pretty girls, you know, and it was <laughs> I went, I went to the, oh, I went to this was. thing and I was like, I'm looking at like, all these like cute girls everywhere. You know? <laughs> and I was like, this is so great. I'm going to do this. And so it was a combination of that and just being around cute girls. You know? <laughs> Johnny Silverman, when we interviewed him, who I know, you know, yeah. um, said a similar thing. He said there were pretty girls and there was air conditioning. And so he liked it. He liked it for those reasons. Where did Johnny Silverman grow up? Abu Dhabi? Like, <laughs> it was air conditioning. I've never been in air conditioning before. It was electricity. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, no, it was, it was totally like that. It was. It was like we got to goof around and play, and you know. And I, and at the time, I was going to this very strict private school, and I had been in boarding school for a year before that. So it just felt like freedom. It felt like, you know, acting felt like freedom in some ways to me when I was a kid. So it was an escape, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, well, well, it's interesting because you mentioned that when you were in Florida and you got your first job and then that kind of started yeah. your career and you didn't go back, but it sounds like you had had just extensive training before you even got to yeah i mean not point. like like i went then i went you know when i when my family moved to america then i went and i did drama in high school um again my mother encouraged me to do drama because i didn't think of drama as like a a thing you could do in school you know it seemed like an off-campus kind of activity you know uh and then i went to this american high school and they had electives and i remember i put down art and, and my mother actually said to me, she goes, why do you want to do art? Don't they have drama? Don't you like drama? And I was like, wow. oh yeah. And, and she was like, you should do drama, like instead of art. And, uh, and I said, okay. And then I did drama, not realizing that like drama was a thing you could do because in my private school in England, there was no drama class. You know, it was like drama was a thing. Like I said, I did outside of school. Um, and then I took drama class and then I ended up at the University of South Florida doing theater and all that. And so, you know, I'd been studying for a while, you know, and, and sort of uh, learning um, the basics of, of, of acting and, and do, you know, Shakespeare and da, da, da. But it wasn't the real training, I, I would say, came much later when I got to New York and started studying professionally and, you know, and, and taking classes in New York and stuff. That's when I felt like I really started to get a sense of the real craft of it, you know? Were you in Wynn Hanman's class with, with Connie and Lauren and? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that, that's not, but you didn't meet, 
you met Connie Britton, who's a mutual yeah. friend of both of ours, doing yeah. in class or doing, I no, know you guys I met, did. I, met, I don't know if she talked about this in her uh, interview, but I met Connie Britton doing Murder Mysteries right. in New York. And we were in this murder mystery company. And I remember like, so I got, it was, it was literally like one of the first gigs that I got in New York was like this murder mystery company it was like in the village voice They had an ad and then you like audition for them. And it was basically you get paid 50 bucks and you go to like some place in Long Island or somewhere, go to a party and they would like literally like in like they would uh, sort of embed actors into like a party as guests at the party or the bar mitzvah or wherever it was, you know, and then somebody would get killed and then wow. there'd be a murder and they would turn into, and the, and the guests often didn't know that it was going to be a murder mystery and a, a hitman would come in and you would kill someone. And, <laughs> and, um, the only time it went south was when they actually did that at a Italian wedding in an Italian, no, a birthday, an Italian birthday party for a guy named Tony at an Italian restaurant in Manhattan, oh, in Brooklyn. And the guy, the actor comes in with a gun and he, to kill the guy and everybody in the room was carrying. And no. They, it was a mafia party and they basically all pulled out guns. What? And the actor like was shaking <laughs> and he drops the gun and he runs and he was like never heard from again. Like he was, he was like, ah! And he was like, but Connie, oh my God. They used to have these two characters and they were called the Bimbos. It was the 90s. You know? <laughs> it, was, it was before the Me Too movie. And, and they were called the Bimbos. And they were the two women who got murdered. One was stabbed in the back when she went to the bathroom and one was given poison and would start foaming at the mouth. And Connie would play one of the bimbos um, <laughs> in this troupe. And I usually, usually played like either like the guy, the, the, the killer or the, the, the red herring of the killer. And I was often hired as like to play like the waiter or like, you know, Brown, you know? And so I was like, <laughs> Later, or I was like a guest at the party who was, you know, some, I remember we had one which was at a Orthodox Jewish singles meetup. And I was, I had a yarmulke on and they tried to, con- I tried to, try to convince everyone I was a Sephardic Jew. <laughs> and everybody's trying to hook up. Like everyone in this thing is trying to like meet up and uh, Connie ends up sitting next to this guy in a yellow suit. I swear to God, he had a yellow <laughs> suit on. And he is so excited that he is sitting next to this gorgeous woman and he's chatting with her and she's totally engaging with him. He has no idea that she's an actress. He thinks he's scored. He's like, I've scored like big time. She's like, laughing at his jokes and she's just like, and then like 20 minutes later, she's dead. And and I remember, like, at the end, we all took our bows. And the poor guy comes up to Connie and he goes, so does this mean, are you still going to date? <laughs> Connie was married at the time. She's like, I'm married, I'm married. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. Oh, my so God. Married line, which she's used a lot, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God, yeah, I love that. That's how 
Um, that's how you got, yeah, knew them. But you were, but you were in Wynn's class. We were in acting class together. Then Connie actually joined. Maybe I told her about Wynn. I'm not sure, but she actually joined up in Wynn's class, and I was in class with like Lauren Graham and Connie and uh, Kim Raver was in mm -hmm. that class with us. Uh, Eric Thal was in class, and it was just like. You know, uh, it was a, uh, uh, it was great. It was, it was like, you know, and then, and then Connie and Lauren ended up going out to LA and, uh, and living together for a while. I right. remember that. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, we did, we did, we were all in wins class together. Asif, what, what would you say was the turning point in your career when you, like, what was the catalyst to when you really started? And, and I asked that question also because I think sometimes what audiences or fans think was the turning point, like isn't, you know, like sometimes an actor has something happen where it launches something that maybe we don't even know about, like a really strong agent or, a, you know, what was sort of that point for you where you were like, I mean, I know actors are always still hustling no matter kind of what level of success they have, but what was the point where you felt like, okay, now I'm, I feel like I'm a working actor. Um, so I wrote a one-man show uh, called Sakina's Restaurant, which I, I developed in Wynne Hanman's acting class. Uh, and that show, Wynne ended up producing it at his theater, at the American Place Theater. And I did that show, and that was really, for me, the first time that I... I mean, I had worked off Broadway and I'd done like sort of like, you know, little parts on Law and Order and, 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 and kind of been working in regional theater. And I did sort of the odd, you know, sort of deli owner or hot dog vendor on Law and Order or whatever, you know, and, and, and sort of those things. But the, when I did Sakina's Restaurant and, and the play ran for six months at the American Place Theater, was the first time that I felt, or not felt, but the first time that suddenly people knew who I was. Suddenly people were talking about me and the New York Times did a big article about the play and about me and it got this review and people started coming and I had directors and agents and casting people and they were all coming. And so suddenly the momentum and, you know, yeah. as they like to say in the business, the phone started ringing for the first time in my career when I did Sakina's Restaurant. And, and that was... Uh, the moment, I think, I mean, there were many, you know, any, any actor will tell you that there's never one moment. There's like a bunch of moments that sort mm -hmm. of build on each other and lead to, you know, but that was probably the first time that I felt like there was a paradigm shift in my career and, and things uh, were suddenly on a different track, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I did Sukina's restaurant. What prompted you to write Sakina's restaurant? Really just, it, what was really the motivation? It was just, there was a lack of opportunity for a brown actor in television and film, and even in theater, frankly, outside of like Shakespeare, you know? Uh, but there was just, there was no work. And so, I mean, I came to LA in 96 and came out for pilot season and literally got, zero auditions, like never went on a single pilot audition because there were just no parts. Mm. And so uh, everyone was, you know, if you were white, if you were black, you know, 
find the roles, whatever. But if you were Asian or brown or, or South Asian or Middle Eastern, nobody was just, there was just no parts, you know? And my agents were just like, other than like a little thing here and there, there were no like serious regular roles. There was nothing, you know? People just weren't writing it. And so it was a, it was a time when if you didn't create your own stuff, you were just basically just at the whim of this crazy business, you know? And, and so I started writing these characters just out of necessity because I was like, well, I write and I want to write and I want to act. And so I thought, well, I'll just write characters that I want to play and put them in this sort of, um, you know, and I just started writing characters that were based on my family or my dad or my sister or myself, my friend, you know, and I put this, these, this collage of characters together, Win Handman, who had worked with Bogosian and Leguizamo and other solo artists like that. He basically helped me shape it. And then we ended up, uh, you know, over the course of time, like three or four years developing it. And, uh, and then finally doing it in 98 at the American Place Theater. Um, and, and, you know, it was the first time people were like, oh, okay, like this guy, he can act, you know, like you can, you got to really show your talent and show, cause it was so hard to sort of like even show any range or anything. If you were just being like, you know, that'll be 495, sir, you know, like, right. like you can't, you know, so, um, yeah, it was, it was, that was, uh, but there was, there were no it was just really out of necessity to, to get up and do something and, and, and perform. And there were nobody, there was nobody writing anything, you know? I just, I find that story so incredibly inspiring. And I think such a great story for uh, actors who are, you know, thinking about pursuing this or starting to pursue this or in the middle of, you know, sort of the beginnings of their yeah. careers, because, um, you know, I, th I just think it's such an important, uh, thing to be thinking about all the time anyway is like, how can I show people what I can play? You know, how can I, and now there's so many other ways to do that, you know, with, yeah. with iPhones and um, you know, right. you didn't have all that back then, but um, I just, I just think that's amazing. And plus you were being creative. You were doing, you know, you were, you were, yeah, you were doing what you wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like now, the, you know, people become YouTube stars and stuff, right. you know, just, basically out of the living room. And back then it was like, there was none of that. So you were either doing like showcases where you would invite, you'd get all your acting. In fact, Connie and I ended up doing a showcase where I got my first agent. Um, and you know, you just get all your friends together and you do like one acts or like scenes mm -hmm. and, and you know, hopefully some agents would come or some casting people would come and they come and see you in this thing. And you know, there you were, uh, you know, doing a scene from of Mice and Men and, you know, and like, and, and sometimes you get an agent, sometimes you wouldn't, you know, uh, but that was kind of what you did. And then, and then the other thing you could do was write something. And if you had a proclivity for that, which I felt like I did, and, 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 and then you would just write stuff or you, I, I even started doing stand up back then a little bit, but I didn't really love stand up as much as I loved doing theater. So I ended up writing stuff more for the theater, but, um, but yeah, it kind of, uh, it was, uh, just purely, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. You know? Yeah. I also think it's a really brave thing to do to say, I, there is no role out there for me right now. <laughs> and, you know, right. and I am going, so fuck it. I'm going to create my own yeah. show. I'm yeah. going to show people what I can do. And I think 
we we've heard this from a lot of people that we've interviewed in kind of that the beginning stages of of acting where you know people don't know you yet they don't really trust what you can do and you have to find ways to show them um yeah and i i i'd love to hear a little bit about sort of um because I, I think it goes hand in hand with with a confidence that clearly you had to be able to do this show and to show it and to keep doing it, despite the fact that there weren't many opportunities around for you at that time. Um, so how did you how did you continue on and make the decision um, in, in sort of the I don't even know how to phrase this in, in the face of kind of the way the industry works, all the no's that you were getting, all the lack of roles like you know, how did you keep saying, no, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do this show. I'm going to show up for myself in this way. I'm going to keep, keep putting myself out there. You know, I wish I, I wish I could say that, like, I just had all this incredible confidence and I just knew I was <laughs> really, and, and I don't, I don't really, I think it was that uh, one aspect of it was that I really had no options. I, 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 it was do or die. You know, uh, I was going to make it as an actor or in some, you know, something, or I was end up going to end up like, you know, going back and living with my parents, you know, back in Florida or whatever, you know? So when I got to New York, um, it was basically just like, I knew, I, I, I think, I think I knew that I was talented and I knew that I was good. I had enough affirmation in school and, you know, all of that to know that, oh, okay, if given the opportunity, I think I can show up and I think I have the ability to do this. And I, I had that and I just loved doing it. So it felt like it was something that I needed to do. You know, it was almost felt like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that it was, it was, it was, uh, a combination of that it was a combination of like, okay, so I know I'm talented and I know I'm as talented as the people that I'm looking around and my peers who are, who are doing this. Um, so I just need to figure out how, how to, to get seen, you know? And, and um, so, yeah, it, it, it was sort of that. And it was kind of just like a sense of like, I didn't have anything to fall back on, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't have nothing to fall back on. Like I didn't have, uh, wasn't good at much else. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. No, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, was not, I was not a great student. I didn't have like, oh, he was an AP student and like getting, you know, I, it, was like, it wasn't like my parents were like, you could have done anything. My parents were like, this is it. This is it. It's not like you could do anything, you know? Um, uh, so I just had to go for it. And I, and I don't know, there's a, there's a part of it that's just, youth i don't know maybe it's just yeah the, the 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 sort of willful kind of like sense of like i will just do this no matter what and i'm just gonna go and i don't know where it's gonna take me but i'm just gonna keep pounding away somebody once said to me if you do like i forget is it is, is it if you do like two things for your career every single day, something is going to move, mm. right? Like whether it's like I send out 10 headshots or whether it's like I learn a monologue or whether it's like I just go to an open call or I do just two things 
that have to do with like moving your career forward in some way, every single day, you are going to, um, something in the, uh, in the zeitgeist is going to move. Um, and so I, I believe that, you know, and I think I just thought like, I'm just going to keep doing it. And there were little wins along the way. I think if I had not, I think if, if I didn't have that, like, like eventually what started happening pretty soon was I get little wins. So, you know, acting is a bit like, um, you know, it, it's it's like a drug, right? Like, 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 or it's addictive. Like, you get a little bit, and then it's a, you don't know when the next hit is going to happen. So you just keep trying, you keep going at it, you know. And you're like, I know, I know, I can get another thing, you know. And I don't know. Um, so there's an inconsistent reward sort of thing that happens where you, like, I would get like a regional play, or I'd get like you know, like a a small off Broadway thing, or I get like a little two lines on a TV show or, you know, every now and then there'd be a little thing. I'd get an agent, a small agent, but you know, like my first agent was this guy who literally didn't have an office. He would, <laughs> he would meet people at the diner and he would, you go there and then you tell, he'd show you the breakdowns and then you would say, I want to go into this part or this part. And then he would go to the payphone on the screen. <laughs> And you would call the casting director <laughs> from the payphone outside the diner. And so every morning, oh like every morning from 7 to 10 or 7 to noon, he would sit at the diner in his usual booth and actors would just come in and sit down with him and chat with him. That was his office time. Oh, my and God. calls from noon until like <laughs> 5 o'clock. And he would just be on the payphone making calls to the office. You know, but that was a win, right? Like I was like, I got this guy. He's making calls for me. He's out there. He's just doing the, he's hustling. And if he got me one gig, I was like, okay, that's great. You know, he got me like uh, a thing. And so it was, it was like that. It was, it was, it was lean, but it was, you know, even the murder mystery thing I was talking about that I did with Connie, where it was like 50 bucks, but you know, you were out there, you were performing, you were doing it, you know, uh, Maybe somebody would see you. I don't know. And you start to create community, right? And that was the other thing that was so important at that time was you start to create a community of actors and everybody's kind of in the same place. Everyone's like hustling and trying to like, you know, some people uh, suddenly become very successful or might get a gig that like, puts, you know, but there's a kind of sense of like everyone's sort of in the soup, in the same soup with different advantages or disadvantages depending on who they are, you know? Um, but I think that was it. And then, yeah, just a sense of like, okay, I'll just keep pursuing this as long as I can't do it anymore, you know? I love that answer so much. It's so inspiring. And I think it's a, a good inspiring one for us to end on because sadly we're out of time. But what I, what I really love, I love, I love that you said it's like a drug. I love that you refer to the sense of community because that's such a huge thing that we hear actors talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, and what I really love that you said um, is that I've never heard anybody say the two things a day. That is like a good, tangible piece of advice that's not too overwhelming, you know, to, yeah. to try to tackle. Um, and just, I think, really, really smart, really inspiring. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. It's, uh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Um, but if we could also, if I'd love to just end, we always end by asking um, our guests, since, as you know, our uh, podcast is as much about L.A. as it is about acting. Um, 
if there's any LAism that you can share with us, meaning a something that you have found during the time you've lived or spent out here that's unique uh, to Los Angeles. I think that whenever it rains in LA, the entire city comes to a screen. <laughs> like there can be literally like, like, like a centimeter of rain and people are just like stopping and pulling over on the side of the road. Ah, there's drizzle, it's drizzling. What are we gonna do? I can't drive in the drizzle. There's a drizzle out there. What am I gonna do? Can't go anywhere. Like it's like literally the city comes to a screeching off. People have car accidents. I can't even see you. I didn't see you in front of me. There was a drizzling. My windscreen is covered in drizzle. Oh my god, it's so true. Like LA people just cannot deal with like a little bit of water coming out. Of the sky. Any water coming out of the sky, it's like stop. Stop! Stay inside. Stay indoors. That is so true. Oh my god! It really is. It's like a it's like snow, a snow day, day in LA. Yeah. Stay away from school. You can't go to school today. It's drizzling outside. No, it's, it's drizzling. Gotta stay home. That's a perfect LAism. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us yeah. today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Speak LA, the podcast. We want to be able to bring you more episodes like this one, but we can only do that with your support. So please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to Speak LA, the podcast. For more information on Speak LA, go to ispeakla.com. This episode of Speak LA, the podcast was sponsored by Actors Connection. Actors Connection offers free resources, including valuable online programs. For more information, go to actorsconnection.com and sign up for their e-blast today. Our sound engineer is the very talented Dan Leonard of homevoiceoverstudio.com. My name is Jen Jostin. And I'm Camille Thornton-Alson. And we are the founders of Speak LA. Find us at ispeakla.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.